Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter here. And Jason Verkart. Welcome to the Solar Coaster. Episode 47. 47. I have no idea how that happened, Jay. Just the other day we were talking about starting a radio show from nothing. Yeah. Now we're, yeah. Uh, what, countdown number, what are we, like number six to the uh, year end yep. Uh, episode? Yep. It'll be Whew. 52, a weekly show. Right around the corner. single week for a year. <laughs> you can do it, folks. <laughs> if you want to start a radio show, right? <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> so we got a great uh, show today with some amazing people. We actually were just talking a moment ago about how one of our major goals for the show was to have the utility come on and be a part of the program. And we're really fortunate to have a Maui Electric president, Sharon Suzuki, here as our guest. Hello, Sharon. Hi, thanks for having us. Hi, welcome, welcome. Great so to good be to. Here. Yeah, thank you. And also, we have Greg Kresge. Kresge. Yeah, <laughs> head of, we'll get it. We'll get it. Right. Head of renewable energy. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, for Maui Electric. Nice. Renewable energy director. Is that the correct? Yeah, director. Title? Of director. Renewable energy. Can I get a title for the coaster? It's like head of something. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Head co-host. Cool. All, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So welcome to the solar folks. We uh, solar coaster folks. We get we got a great show ahead. We're going to kind of blast through housekeeping and uh, jump right into our news and events, and and then we hear all about. Uh, we got a great lineup of ideas and discussion points for the for from. Maui Electric. So we can't really express our appreciation enough for you to be here on the coaster. So thank you again. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having us. All right. So should we get through our housekeeping, Yeah, Jay? let's do this. Okay. So we are the Solar Coaster Renewable Energy Theme Talk Show right here in lovely Maui County. We can be found uh, here at KOI 1110 AM and a bunch of FM stations, which I've neglected to put on my uh, <laughs> my list here. <laughs> and I should have learned for sure. Uh, we also have a great website. Jay, you want to tell us about the website? Sure. Go to solar-coaster.com. You can get all our previous shows. Uh, scroll down a bit and you can actually fill out the form and shoot us questions if you can't get on the air. Uh, you can also click on the YouTube live stream. Check us out live if you want to see what all these people look like. Uh, click on the YouTube live link and you can see us right now. We're out there. Uh, you can also listen live on the internet if you don't happen to be in Maui at the time. Yeah. We've got some podcasts out there. We're on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher. Uh, so if you're a podcast person, do check us out there. We like to see, you know, occasionally we get people downloading them from all around the country. That's kind of cool. We are a call-in show. Uh, for this show, we're going to ask to hold calls until about one 140. It's our yep. game plan, right, Jay? Yep. Uh, our calling line is 242-7800. That's 242-7800. If you have a question for Maui Electric, for uh, Sharon, or for Greg, you know, do give us a call then and then put it forward. That'd be really fun. Um, we've got some great sponsors, and that's what keeps the uh, solar coaster on the air. So I'm just going to read our sponsor list here. We got uh, Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonin Battery, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar. And these guys are really amazing and kind of on the right side of solar, doing really cool stuff. Yep, so we they really keep appreciate us rolling. Them. Appreciate your sponsors. Thank you very much, everybody. All right, so shall we jump right into our news and events? Let's do it. Got to go. First thing, right out of the way, um, this Bloomberg article. Do, 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 do. Where, I yeah. lost it. I orange, lost it. Which one? Orange to roll out solar project targeting African consumers. That's this awesome. is really cool because we're talking about what's going on in Africa and how, uh, I mean, I've, I've been following this stuff for a while, right? right. So it's like uh, you, you don't really have an evolved kind of uh, grid infrastructure there. Yep. There's the opportunity for solar to come in and actually kind of leapfrog and, and be there in people's homes. And there's this company, Orange is one of the ones that's doing it. Orange is a big one, but I, mean, I know I and Orange, they're a French-based, Paris-France-based company, but they are, they're into telecom stuff right mm -hmm. they're, they're not an electricity provider a utility by any stretch um, but what I understood out of this article is that they're actually doing it so that they can get more people on their telecommunications infrastructure in That's fact one of, the, one of the one of the fun things in here is that they can pay with their mobile payments app this is amazing. To, to, we were to just, buy your solar system. Greg and I, we were just talking about this a second ago, but kind of the flip of it. We need telecom to help us, you know, deploy uh, these, yeah. these new grid assets and these opportunities like virtual power plant. Yep. This is kind of like they need solar in order to get the telecom working. In order working. to get the telecom stuff working, right? It's such right? a uh, kind of uh, integrated I've, I've of worked industry. in some of these environments. I mean, literally, they have they have problems that are we wouldn't just we wouldn't fathom. Um, for example, I was in Venezuela years and years ago, and they are they're burying copper. And then a couple of miles back, there's a guy digging it up and selling it for scrap. You oh, simply geez. can't put copper out there because people will take it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, what's remarkable about this, actually, I, I, you know, I saw a couple of documentaries about <clears throat> this organization, and what they're doing is they're creating these shops, and they're having they have representatives that'll sell, um, uh, you know, small solar kits 
on a monthly payment basis and really mm. small, like for lights, mm. right? So to actually have the ability to have a light rather than a kerosene light, mm. right? But to mm. have an LED light with a solar panel. So they say, okay, well, buy this kind of starter kit. And, they, and they're creating a whole, you know, a sales team kind of strategy and referral base. So they're creating this kind of, you know, business model out there where mm -hmm. people are making a living in the solar business and they're slowly kind of creating more and more uh, devices. Tell, there's a television you can add into your system. There's a, you know, a cell phone charger is one of the first ones. They're talking about all these mm. different little. So they're really doing something amazing out there. So check this out on Bloomberg, yep. uh, Bloomberg Technology. That's where this uh, particular article is. Yep, 20,000 kits uh, already going to be deployed, and but their target is 400 to 500,000 kits. Wow. That's exciting stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. And changing <laughs> changing lives. I mean, when you have that's, that's light, the cool you can that's the nice do it. homework and you can go through the education process, right? Rather than a kerosene lamp that's kind of noxious and creating something not so nice. In and your you home, may or so. may not be able to get fuel for, depending right. on. It's a new world. Wonderful the, the, stuff. The, the sun is out there. Use it. All right, let's <laughs> jump over to what's going on in Saudi Arabia, Jay. Oh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, do, 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 do. So. My the world's is, my biggest is, solar project. My news is out of order. Comes with a batteries included sticker. I, I liked this one. There are a couple other. Um, so what what happened is about 48 hours ago, um, SoftBank signed a deal with Saudi Arabia to put out 200 gigawatt of solar. Yeah, I, I want to say that again. 200. Gigawatt. <laughs> What's a gig? Every time we say gigawatt, megawatt, kilowatt, we get calls or texts from our friends oh, going, yeah. "What does that mean? What does that mean?" <laughs> right? It's a whole lot of something. Yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole lot of something. Can you yeah. can you define it? Can you define it for us? What do we mean by how do, how, do, how do you explain it? I have a lot of data here um, that just to figure out exactly how much it is. I mean, we have SIA, um, a megawatt is 164,000 homes essentially. I like to, to power. Um, I, I like to relate it. Sorry, I like to relate it um, to something really tangible. So if people are familiar with like a hundred watt bulb, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how much energy it takes in order to power that bulb. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at that on a bigger scale, you know, you're looking at, you know, a hundred uh, watt bulb, and then you're looking at a hundred of those, and hundred, you know, you're looking at this on a much bigger scale, and you start expanding that out, and you keep on adding zeros to the end. So, you know, I can't tell you what a gigawatt room would look like that has that many light bulbs that you could power, but right, it would be, it would be a really light. big building. I, I try to relate it to how many actual households okay. it would mm. be, because that's something you can kind of understand <clears throat> if you live in a town with 10,000 houses, you know, you can yeah. you can relate it to that. Um, but it is, I mean, it's, it's such a significant amount of power. I think it's it's larger the entire than the entire renewable energies goal of India. Is that correct? Oh, you mean the 200, the gigs, 200 gig for is Saudi Arabia. for Saudi Arabia? Yeah, because what we read it last week, and it was something like 188 or something like that gigs for India. That was right. the goal. And they're you know currently at like around 20 or something. Mm -hmm. And so this is an individual project. And right before we got in here, we, uh, Greg and I were chatting about it going, is that concentrated photo uh, is that concentrated is it is it uh, some other kind of a thing or is it actually photovoltaic but it looks like it looks it's like it's photovoltaic it's yeah networks of photovoltaic panels so yeah. 200 gigs is really completely unprecedented they have a list at the bottom of the um, the article and they're talking about the 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 uh, the biggest ones or somewhere in there uh, and it's like you know it's like the, the next biggest one is like 20 gigawatts or something like that. They're not even close, right? Right. So it's remarkable the scale of things. Uh, Saudi Arabia is kind of an environment of superlatives. They like to do things big, right? And it sure. uh, looks like they're just trying to you know break some records here in a pretty remarkable way. So definitely take a yeah, look I at I that. I have to wonder what they're going to do with it, though. Sure. So my, 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 my guess, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I bet they're going to take it and they're going to make hydrogen. Oh, <laughs> that's interesting. It's a long no. view. Yeah, but interesting. <laughs> or something to do with water. <laughs> For sure. In a place without much water. There you go. Well, <laughs> find it. So it's a great article. They cover okay. a lot of different topics in here. Check it out. Uh, that one is also on Bloomberg. Yep. Right. Excellent. Uh, next one. I want to talk about this because this is really neat. Uh, Brooklyn Ar Architect wants to rewire Puerto Rico with solar. Um, this guy is actually really, really connected. Uh, where is this? Where is the guy's name? I have, uh, yeah, Thomas... Uh, Jonathan Marvel, that's it, um, was a Brooklyn art architect. His father, Thomas, was one of the island's most important architects, meaning Puerto Rico. Um, he's actually um, uh, 
connected in some way to Buckminster Minster Fuller. That's his uncle. Geodesic Dome. It's, a, it's or, an uncle. Yeah. yeah, a great uncle, actually, I think it yeah. is. Um, but the article is, is random, rambles on, but it talks about so many different things. Um, and there's there's a lot of stuff in here um, about Puerto Rico in general, but but solar being deployed as a as a as a utility um, and and in smaller quantities. So they they call this the Goldilocks zone, where they're not putting out too much, too little, like 200 gig. That's a monstrous, just mm -hmm. monstrous amount of power. Um, but somewhere between the the couple hundred households and and the couple hundred megawatt range, there's this nice easy easily purchasable kind uh -huh. of kind of system that you can put out and supply a reasonable amount of homes. Interesting. Um, and I didn't know well, what's, if, what, if what, that's really accurate or not, first well, what, of all. What, 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 I think what's happening out in Puerto Rico, which is really exciting, and, and it sounds to me like they're, I mean, they're about six months out of power, right? Mm -hmm. And for us in Maui, Puerto Rico is perhaps a cautionary tale, right? It's like, well, something really serious happened there. Mm -hmm. The community was really compromised because of a fragile grid infrastructure. Also, they had some, you know, a, a lot of that had to do with uh, debt servicing and then uh, not being able to maintain. And actually, it's interesting because right now we're in the middle of dealing with uh, cutting down the eucalyptus up on uh, 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 Pee Right, and a big part of their problem, from what I understand, was the uh, their foregoing of the trimming uh, uh, of the uh, foliage yeah, throughout Puerto Rico. So when that big storm hit in the south, it, it you know it, it just knocked it down. Just the exacerbated the damage right? that could be done. Um, yeah, so yeah. it's uh, Puerto Rico is kind of an environment where it seems like there's everybody we know in the industry is out there. Mm -hmm. And they're setting stuff up, and they're putting in, like, Pike is out there, Sonen batteries out there, Tabuchi Electric's out there. I was talking with Takasan and Harumi-san the other day, and they have something like 40 or 50 installed systems, and they look at, they have a map of it, right? And, they're sh and all of their systems are, they're operating off-grid in standalone mode, are on the peripheries of, of San Juan. They're farther out in the mountainous regions, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and then there's a bunch of them that are connected to the, the grid infrastructure as well. So it's kind of like this, uh, this, I think this article here is saying, hey, they can rebuild the grid because of this kind of opportunity uh, at this time. Well, he's trying, he's, trying to, he's trying to build the grid in a better way, which is something we discussed last time we were talking about Puerto Rico, where in order to get federal funds, they have to rebuild it the way they, they, it was, mm -hmm. which is unfortunate because it's obviously not the right way to do it now. <laughs> what, what do you think about that, um, Sharon or Greg? I mean, how do you, what, uh, uh, when you see what's going on in Puerto Rico, how does that, what, what does that do for you as a person that's, re that's part, you know, partly responsible for the grid here in, in Maui? How do you? For me, um, it does concern me, of course, because resiliency is now a uh, um, big, hot, hot topic, right? And I think from our perspective, we try to maintain and replace some um, equipment on the grid to make sure it's reliable. Mm. Uh, we take, uh, we have an obligation to serve all customers who want power. Yeah. So we take that responsibility very seriously. So resiliency is important. I think that's part of what we think in terms of getting to renewable energy and having a diverse portfolio of resources so it's not just one type of generation and not only solar, not only wind, not right. only Redundancy diesel and could be you know, biodiesel one day, but um, I think that diversity is very important yeah. for us. Um, uh, fortunate for us, you know, we are part of Hawaiian Electric Industries and they've assured us of one, they can support our uh, plans moving forward to get to 100%, mm -hmm. right? And um, I think we have their backing from a financial stability perspective. Right. Um, one more thing I'd like to um, point out, I guess, is that we are part of an alliance with the uh, utilities on the mainland. So mm -hmm. if we needed assistance, those alliances are already in place, so we wouldn't have to wait as long as what Puerto Rico unfortunately had to go through. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great to know, right? Because that's a really kind of a, a, a clear uh, uh, mention that we're we're gonna that you know we have somewhat of an extra support or a buttress here from the utilities in the mainland if something did happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to add to that. <clears throat> One of the pictures that I saw that was pretty um, was really interesting to see was a solar array that was destroyed in the hurricane. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe when it's one of the lessons learned, which is for everybody, which is looking at that and saying, well, you can put this infrastructure in, but you also need to put it in for it to also be resilient, meaning that it's not just the wires yeah. and the poles, it's also the infrastructure itself. So, right. you know, I think maybe at this point when they're installing new 
um, solar arrays, they're, they're probably going to be looking at the support system a little bit closer to. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, racking and mounting definitely <clears throat> needs to be part of it. Yeah. I did, was, I mean, that was where the photos that everybody wanted to show, where the national news takes it and, and makes it, you think it's worth, a lot worse than it is. Um, the solar panels that were actually destroyed were actually a very much smaller fraction. I think it was like 93% or so of panels mm -hmm. survived, mm -hmm. and it was transmission that was the issue for them, the majority. Um, but yeah, and yeah I think, it, it, I think it absolutely that, needs attention. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's going to be a lot of the time. That's going to be the case with above ground um, mm -hmm. systems, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, sure. So that's where you have to make sure that you're doing your maintenance on your poles, and you've got you mm -hmm. know good infrastructure in place that can withstand. Poles? What about burying it? Can we bury it? <laughs> well, <laughs> we, don't, we don't have a lot of tectonic activity here anymore. Yeah, unless you we have blue rock, rock and it's very, very, very expensive. Yeah. How about solar roadways? Can we just jump right into that? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> another, that's another one. Uh, but the last the last thing in here is one thing I want to touch to this article. is really interesting because they're talking about um, the opportunity for microgrids really helping support mm -hmm. and and island uh, <clears throat> electronic electric ecosystem. Um, what do you feel of, how do you feel about microgrids at all do you, do you feel about microgrids oh yeah um, i mean that's part of the discussion too sure. right so we are interested in microgrids that are still connected to the grid because mm -hmm. if people start leaving the grid we'll have fewer customers and there's still fixed costs right for maintaining mm -hmm. the system mm -hmm. so i think what we want to do is find ways that can be fair to everyone whether you're interested in investing in solar rooftop mm -hmm. or a developer of a large scale solar or other you know renewable generator. I think we're interested in all of that. But yeah. uh, microgrids, I believe, do play a role. And when we think about it, um, HANA, for example, a remote mm -hmm. community, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we have um, right now um, small diesel generators that can start up in the event that we lose the transmission to the city or mm -hmm. to town. town. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so we can still support the airport and critical infrastructure out there. So uh, that's a small example of an existing system. Of course, we're looking at getting everything to renewables. So that'd be a different set of resources. Okay, okay, yeah, Han is definitely in a, a little bit of vulnerable space out there facing towards where the storms tend to come from, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, okay, well, how about we jump over, Jay, to what's going on in Hawaii? Um, well, by Hawaii, you mean Oahu, right? I mean Oahu, yes. <laughs> you do. we got a kind of a yep. cool install landmark, right? landmark property featured downtown's uh, largest solar panel installation. This is the... Um, that, um, this is the Aloha Tower. Aloha Tower, right? right? Hawaii Pacific University, what I was going to say, yeah. is a Hawaii uh -huh. Pacific University install. They've just upgraded, or they are in the process of upgrading, to uh, more than 660 kilowatts of PV right on the, right on the Aloha Tower. Um, absolutely gorgeous install. If you happen to go there, do check it out, because once they're done, you're probably not going to notice it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's great to see. And it looks like Holu Energy, is he's, they're playing a role again, these, mm -hmm. these, guys, these yep. fellas. Sure that we, in full disclosure, MSP has a little bit of relationship with Holu, but um, it's a, they're certainly doing a tremendous amount of business out there. They've got a great uh, great business model, and they're bringing in uh, deployed solar and storage assets uh, and through PPAs all across the state, right? So they're making some uh, really great headway, and that's uh, congratulations to uh, the guys out there, to Ted and, and all the rest of them. So yeah, nice job, guys. estimated that they're going to save the university $1.7 million over the 20-year PPA. All right, there you go, there you go. Okay, so that's our news and events. We tried to keep it brief because we wanted to focus on as much of the time of our show on, on You Find Folks as we could. So let's jump over into our commercial. Shall we do that, yep, Jay? Yeah, we do the commercials. And then we come back, we'll hear uh, from uh, Sharon and Greg from Maui Electric. Fantastic. Aloha, and welcome to Maui Solar Project. It is easy to feel rejuvenated just stepping outside on a magnificent Hawaiian day. Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org. Tabuchi Electric, a leading worldwide inverter manufacturer, presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. Tabuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. The system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar investment with Tabuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system. 
The Sonin Batter Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonin Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonin Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonin Battery Eco at sonin-battery.com. MIT-founded Pika Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. Pika's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with HECO-ready self-supply functions. Pika's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pika Energy, own your power. To learn more, visit pika-energy.com. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system, combined photovoltaic and thermal, holds the world record for peak hour efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Okay, those were our uh, wonderful sponsors. We can't thank you enough for helping us stay on the air. Really, genuinely, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, we love appreciate you, love it you so guys. much. Uh, so we're going to jump right into this great opportunity here to hear directly from Maui Electric President Sharon Suzuki, Head of Renewables Greg Kresge. Uh, we thank you so much for coming in, and we just want to jump right in. And what, what is the basic history of HEI and Miko? Can you give us a little bit of a rundown as to kind of how the utility came into being? Okay, so imagine long ago it was pretty much all agriculture in mm. Hawaii, but but I'll share an interesting tidbit of information with you. So um, Thomas Edison met with King David Kalakaua. Oh, I love this part. Back in the 1800s. <laughs> and Iolani Palace was first lit before the White House now Wonderful. in 1886. But, um, you know, we're on Maui, and, you know, Maui's no kawaii, right? So yeah. <laughs> we learned from some of our research that um, Kloss Spreckles actually lit, uh, yeah, lit, yeah, uh, lit, the first light in 1881, so it was a little before, before Iolani, Iolani Palace. Palace. Mm. But you don't hear Maui. too much about that, so go Maui. And yeah. I think that's the neat thing about um, you know being here. I think we, we say it Maui, over and over again. We are the tip of the spear. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I think a little more progressive, a little more innovative in some ways, maybe because we're a little smaller. Right. Um, kind of neat <clears throat> to be living here. Well, there you gets, go. It gets you that flexibility. I mean, it's hard to it's hard wow. to do that so when, goes, you're, when you're too big. It goes back to electricity <laughs> and light bulbs. I, yeah. find, I love yeah. that story and, um, about Iolani Palace and, and Edison. So I guess to get to your point about Hawaiian Electric, they've been in business for 126 years this mm -hmm. year and us 96. So like I said, gotcha. agricultural communities, right? Transformed many times, right, over that period. So mm -hmm. we're still going through that. Right, understood. That's okay. Well, thank you for that. And then, um, how about your current roles? So, uh, can you tell us how you found yourself in these positions? These kind of like just get here? leading positions <laughs> in the world for renewable energy deployment. Yeah, and for, you know, it's kind of oh, from a from a position or the company. Just, uh, yeah, no, just yourself. How did you find yourself personally? In this, in this role? So, actually, I've been with um, the company for 25 years now. Um, but I was started at Hawaiian Electric okay. uh, in the energy efficiency rebate programs. So that was kind of fun because it was starting something new in a utility and getting all the regulatory approvals and yeah. then implementing. And it's still very, very important, right? Mm. Energy efficiency is the cheapest form of kind of renewable energy. It's like yes. the the That's kilowatt or megawatt that you don't need to produce, right? What did we say that, for, that back in the day it was reduced before you produce? Yeah. Remember that yeah. conversation? Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. So, um, you know, and over time I went to customer service, renewable energy, and the group that um, Greg heads. Um, and then when my boss, Ed Reinhardt, retired, um, I had this opportunity. So yeah. I guess how did I get here? Took advantage of opportunities, was willing to make changes. I yeah. moved from Oahu to Maui, but probably one of my best decisions. We love it here. Wonderful, wonderful. And then how, how long have you been in your current role? Oh, in my current role, five going on six years. Got it, okay, yeah. great. How yeah. about you, Greg? Oh, wow. <clears throat> so I started a long time ago in environmental. Actually, my background is environmental science and, and uh, 
So I started working for the utilities for um, for Maui Electric about six years ago, and I was uh, head of the environmental compliance group for power supply, so doing a lot of air emissions and things like that. But on the side, it was also um, getting more education and getting LEED certified and going through uh, additional degree programs in renewable energy and sustainability. And then when that, I, like Sharon, I took advantage of some opportunities and um, this position came available and I already was part of the Jump Smart program from its inception and I own two electric vehicles and I have PV and solar hot water. And so it seemed like a pretty good fit. Um, and so that's how I got into this very exciting position right. that I'm in right now. That was going to be one of my questions. Do you have PV and <laughs> yeah. do you have an electric vehicle? <laughs> I have everything. everything. There you go. <laughs> all the toys. All the okay, toys. Okay, I have to fess up. I don't. Uh, I don't have an EV yet. Mm -hmm. I have a hybrid. Okay. okay. Um, I do have solar water heating, and mm -hmm. I have a lead uh, silver home. Mm. Oh, oh, all right. Nice. So there's a new utility that. program I hear about called CGS Plus, <laughs> which maybe you might want to consider for your own. I know a great installer <laughs> called Maui Solar Project. <laughs> so anyway, okay, just kidding here. So right, let's here jump over into some of the <clears throat> history. So you got you're in this kind of really remarkable position to be able to kind of um, kind of. Uh, create the pathway for how a utility gets to 100% renewable energies. Uh, a lot of uh, challenge in that, right? Yeah. And it's and, and the timing we're at right now is also like it's kind of super critical. It's like a lot's happening. We're seeing all these kind of extreme <coughs> weather events all around the world. We're also seeing uh, the reduction in prices in renewable energy technology from solar uh, panels for as one example and storage as another example. The uh, electrification of transportation with EVs. All this movement's happening right when you find yourself in this position to be able to kind of steer the ship. And so that's a really exciting time. So let's let's dig back a little bit to the NEM era when NEM started. I think NEM, if I understood correctly, was a legislated program from the ledge, right? And correct me if I'm wrong here, but that's just my basic understanding. And what was it like when NEM started? Was that like 2008 or 9 or something? When was that? Do you I remember? think it was even uh, earlier. earlier but that, I earlier mean, most people didn't really hear that much about it, right? right. But it was really to encourage customers to install solar systems, right? Mm -hmm. So that coupled with, I mean, uh, economics with um, getting the retail rate, I guess, right? Yeah, Offsetting mm -hmm. your bill usage, um, along with state or and federal tax credits was meant to kind of jump start the um, industry, right? Right, right. And then did they you probably were, can tell that you was, more. Um, we have a, we had number 14 NEM on the show. Uh, my one of my old my friends, Willie uh, Willie uh, Shuken, and he he was one of the first uh, NEM. Well, when I say NEM, I mean net energy meter. Right. That's what I mean right. by that. Right. So, how, what do you think about uh, that that era, Craig? Was it a surprise that came <laughs> online? Or um, well, you know, a lot of, I get a lot of questions <laughs> about how come we don't continue NEM, and the reason why is because I don't think it, it, from its inception on it it was never. The, from the outset, it was it was known that it wasn't going to be sustainable for everybody for all the time. So what it right. was really meant to do is, it was meant to really jumpstart, you know, um, renewable energy and give it a kick that it needed in order to get people moving. And um, you know, and and it really took off here, especially because we have some of the highest rates in the nation, right, for for electrical um, consumption or use. And um, so your return on investment is very fast. You know. You you look in other places that are experiencing, you know, eight cents, five cent energy, hydroelectric energy, or, you know, something like that. You're not going to see PV, hardly any PV, because and they're already on a quote unquote renewable. Yeah, well, <laughs> with hydro they are, but yeah. when you're talking nuclear or something like that, and they're not, yeah. but yet they still have cheap power. Right. You're still your return on investment is is 18 years or something, and the panel life, you know, or your system is only guaranteed for. 10 or 20 10, or 15. 15. So people yeah. f figured yeah. out the economics <clears throat> in 08 or yeah. 09, maybe 10, and then they said, well, this is a great deal. This is like a three-year payback yeah. or a four-year yeah. payback or something, and then it just kind of ramped. And I think yeah. we were probably arguably one of the first environments to get that kind of a ramp. Uh, and it became, and people weren't like, hey, what's photovoltaic anymore? They're like, oh, I got it. My auntie has it. My uncle mm -hmm. has it. And my, you know, whoever. So um, let's say we fast forward a little bit and we go to, well, recently, uh, just the last few, last year or so, you find yourself in this position where a huge uh, energy company called Nextera comes in and says, "We're going to buy this utility. Uh, we're going to buy HEI, right?" And they, what was that experience like? Okay, I'd say it was challenging, mm. uh, to say the least, right? But challenging from a perspective of it also presented a huge opportunity, right? Yeah. Because Nextera was into renewable energy. Mm. They had already deployed a lot of new technologies to make the system work uh, with different types of renewable energy, and they had the 
kind of financial backing, right? They, mm. they could have brought to us um, lower cost of capital, so lower financing costs, yep. right? Uh, economies of scale to the extent we can leverage their purchasing power and their expertise, right? So to some degree, I mean, that was the great opportunity. I think the challenge was, I mean, obviously the, it wasn't approved, um, but it, um, I mentioned this earlier that HEI has assured us that they can finance our path to get to the 100% renewable energy. So we're still excited. And like you yeah. mentioned, I mean, there are a whole lot of things coming out, approvals of uh, programs and projects and strategies that we've been putting before the Public Utilities Commission. Um, so I think it is really an exciting time and we are able to move forward. Um, it is yeah. gonna take, uh, I just wanna mention this, yeah, all of us working together though. So, you know, whether you're a solar contractor, a large scale developer of some type of renewable project, the new mm -hmm. technologies, um, government, you know, policy makers. A lot of stakeholders. Yes. Interested private citizens. So, yes, um, all our customers out there, right? Yeah. So, so we're, we're gonna, um, you know, have to just find ways to have these types of dialogues and educate from and listen from different perspectives. Absolutely. So, uh, well, thank you for that. So we're on this road to 100% renewable energies in 2040 as per uh, Governor Ige's uh, proclamation, can I call it that? Uh, signed, uh, yeah. and that signed was uh, a mandate. Yeah, mandate. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. And uh, and that had a lot. And, and of course, Hank had a lot to do with that at Blue Planet Foundation and encouraging that. I know through various, I think, lobbying and stuff over the years. So you know, we got this amazing goal set in front of us. We had Mary Arakawa on the show probably about a month or so ago, and he was just man. He was a wealth of knowledge, and he uh, he said, you know, I think we get 100% renewables in five years. He said that on the show. I was blown away by it. And he mentioned something called wheeling, uh -huh. right? And he said if, if wheeling kind of goes through the ledge, maybe that could actually kind of spur things on a bit. So there's that's a pretty big difference, right? Five years as opposed to 2045 is uh, what is that? 20 years out plus year. Mm -hmm. I mean, geez, that's quite a while. So um, it's hey, not what are your as long thoughts? As you think, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> My thoughts. Yeah. Okay, one. Getting to um, we can get to 100 percent even now. Yeah. But it's going to cost a lot of money. It's yeah. it's going to mean higher bills for all of our customers um, because we have tested biofuels, for example, mm. at all our Malai units. We could convert it. But I don't think that's the path we're looking at. Okay. You know, and that isn't the path that wasn't in our plan. Um, Wheeling uh, may help the county by itself um, get to 100% quickly, right? Mm. Because they can source their facilities. But Wheeling is actually not allowed in Hawaii. Mm. It means, right, um, having, say, a PV farm in a remote area and using that um, energy to offset the usage at the county building, for example. And what would happen is those people who struggle every day, in fact, the employees maybe of the county or mm. in our resorts that are struggling to make ends meet, right, will end up carrying more of the fixed costs. So the key for something like that would be to have it priced right. Again, mm -hmm. um, our challenge, um, the biggest challenge for me to me is balancing, keeping electricity affordable, getting to 100% renewable energy, and making sure we have reliable service to all customers. That's great. That's a great point. And it, so, what it, I, I'd say, if we had to choose like one topic that was probably not the the forefront of everyone's mind, it's how much am I going to pay for energy, right? So, do you have a sense of? Do you think that renewable energy deployment? And you'd mentioned that if we get if we really aggressively go for renewable energy deployment, that we're going to see higher rates because of the the deployed asset you know cost, right? What are your thoughts on that? Can we can we balance those two things? Can we can we limit costs in the future and get renewable energy at the same time? I think so. I mean, we were talking earlier, right? That um, technology um, is improving, getting more efficient, and um, prices are expected to come down. So I think mm. you mentioned those international um, large scale. I mean, super large scale, right? Yeah. Projects. Um, to me, that would help the international market, right? In terms of bringing the cost of technology down. Yeah. So I mean, that's the. Do you do it sooner and pay more because it's current price, or do we? We need to do it. Our approach right. is more strategic in the sense that you know deploy some, but not all, because mm -hmm. if technology prices are expected to come down, we don't want to commit everything today at a higher price when maybe tomorrow there may a there may be a better or cheaper right. technology. So there's right, a little bit of a hedging help, going on. We're looking help. at where yes. those costs might go <laughs> yeah. over time, right? Uh, excellent. Well, thank you so much for that. We we have a caller, and uh, we're going to take this call now and get a, get a question. I think that's really what we want to do is kind of bridge these uh, bridge the community and 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 Mount Electric and the coaster and everything. So, hey, Aloha. This is uh, the Solar Coaster. Can you hear us? Okay. Yes. Thank you. Can you hear me? We hear you great. Yes, I had a, a question for the guests on your program. Now, 
and that has to do with the windmills on the hill. When that first was proposed and uh, supported by the local government, many people were kind of outraged that a private development of energy would go on that hill. And then the administration at that time was the Arakawa One administration, and he came out with a statement that it's going to supply 13% of our energy needs, and that was on the front page of the Maui News. I wanted to know if there has been a benefit, who's received the benefit, and if there was a way for the ongoing uh, portion of profits that are generated to this private company, if perhaps there could be a line item on our bills where uh, the uh, customers of MECO get a some kind of a uh, discount or something on a quarterly or monthly basis based on that public utility out there, the mountains, the public mountains being used for a private uh, energy uh, production business. Got it, got it. Hey, well, thank you so much for the call. We really appreciate it. We're going to take the call, take it offline, and we'll answer your call uh, now. So thanks so much for calling in. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, uh, there's a whole bunch of different <clears throat> aspects to answering that question. One is that um, we have purchase power agreements with uh, entities that come to the utility to supply power. Um, at, and, and in order for us to engage in those um, purchase power agreements, the PPAs, um, they have to provide, they have to show that they're going to provide a benefit to the customer and the ratepayer. So. Um, one of the aspects of that is that uh, wind and, and, and photovoltaic right now, they're called variable um, sources of energy. And, and this kind of gets back to, you know, we talk about when we're talking about 100% um, renewable energy goal, we have to look that that means beyond those times when it's when maybe the sun is shining. What do you do at the rest of, for the rest of the day with with your other energy needs when there isn't production? And and so with the with the wind PPA, um, the biggest portion on our bill right now is fuel cost um, because we still are very generator, you know, diesel generator based. <clears throat> um, the wind energy, it's the same thing that has kind of happened with um, other PPAs and other projects as you add more. The first ones are more expensive and then as more and more come on, they get cheaper and cheaper. Those um, costs, you know, get uh, passed on to, or the the benefits of those get passed on to, and the reduced rates get passed on to the customers. Um, so that and that is mixed into the total, you know, what it takes to deliver the energy, um, as well as with the wires and you know all the maintenance and operations that it takes to deliver energy on a regular, full basis, reliable, safe energy. So we don't separate out necessarily the energy from the wind farm from, you know, the three wind farms. We have Kaviava 1, Kaviava 2 in Hawaii, and then also the PV, and we have some hydroelectric as well. So there's, you know, all those come into the, to the generation mix. I just wanted to add that Maui Electric does not make <coughs> any money off of the purchase power agreements or, mm -hmm. you know, arrangement mm -hmm. with these third-party developers. So it's a straight pass-through. Mm -hmm. I mean, the benefit, I think, is that we've reduced our oil consumption mm -hmm. by quite a bit over the years. And we've been able to take 95% of um, the wind that's being generated mm -hmm. by changing how we operate our mm. fossil units. 95%, that's a big number. Yes, yeah, right? yes because it wasn't job. always at that rate, mm. but we work really hard to change how we operate, operate as little um, fossil units as as we have to when the demand for electricity is so, low. So thank you very much for those answers. So my recap here is that uh, the, the introduction of maybe third-party PPAs for renewable energy projects uh, reduces the, uh, the need to buy uh, uh, fuel and mm -hmm. that yeah, maybe as a as a as an aggregate and all the different ones that you've got up and running is is passed through to the customer. So the end rate that we're getting, there is some uh, savings in there as a result of that. Is that basically what I heard? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a little bit more. It's, it's a little, right now is a really difficult time to see some of that because oil prices are so cheap right now. Right. You know, when when the barrel price was up at a hundred dollars a barrel. <laughs> Um, you're going to see a lot more of that. But when it's down at 50 or lower, you know, 
half that price, mm. um, you know, that it makes it much more difficult because the price point is can, that much lower for, can, for can diesel. You, you know, I'm really interested in understanding something. <clears throat> what, can you give us a sense on what type of, because from a, from a decarbonization perspective, also a, a general community financial health perspective, when we export money for fuel costs, mm -hmm. that's a massive impact on our community, right? So can you give us a sense on how much fuel is being purchased here for Maui or used for Maui, and then what kind of reductions maybe we've seen as a result of the implementation of all this renewable energy? Well, I, I I used to have to do this uh, these calculations for when I was working on air permitting because we would um, calculate our emissions, you know, based mm. on the fuel consumption. We've seen drastic decrease in in fuel consumption. We've seen uh, savings of millions of barrels of of oil a year um, from having renewables, and um, and we're just going to continue to see that as as it offsets more and more of the uh, fossil fuel generation. You're going to see more and more. Uh, fuel savings and and mm -hmm. reduction of that, you know the the emissions as well as um, uh, the need for the fossil fuels. So um, we're seeing those increases. You're seeing basically this very sharp drop from t 2011 to now. We're seeing, um, I think, in our most recent sustainability report, we saw there was about um, I want to say it was about three million barrels in savings. Okay. Um, over over in, that many years or just the past year? The year on year? From 11 to No, now. so we went from 11 annually to, to now about okay. 8 million. Okay. So all of that, so. what's interesting you just said also <clears throat> is that all of that, those figures are published online. Where can I, can our, can our uh, listeners access that if they want to go online and see those numbers? Yep, yep. So you can go to um, hawaiianelectric.com uh, or mauielectric.com or Hawaiian Electric Light. Um, we have the sustainability reports as well as updates to, uh, we also file um, our renewable energy portfolio, mm -hmm. you know, the standard, mm -hmm. um, the rates that we've achieved and how much we've, um, we've, uh, we've received in renewable energy mm -hmm. uh, each year. So those are available also on the, um, with the PUC, we file that. Uh, with the PUC every year. Great, great. Okay, so we talked a lot about some kind of macro level things that are going on in the utility and then our community. Let's try to hone in on some of the things that you know, our listeners, I think, are really interested in learning. And that's the new programs that you have and specifically, um, you know, the timelines for application for some of these programs. Because there's, I, I don't know if you, if you, if it's, if it, if it, if it's already, if it gets to you right, how, really quickly, but I can tell you as an installer as well, there's a massive appetite right now in our community for solar. People are just like, when can I get more solar yeah. for NEM expansion? What, what's the deal with CGS Plus? Is that export? What's that all about? And then um, C, uh, what's the other one? CSS, the the, the kind of the, the big one, right? So, um, can you describe some of the programs? Can you give us a sense for um, you know what they're about? And uh, yeah, summarize, please. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, okay. I'm gonna, a couple of I'm going to try my much. best. Well, okay. So the. the um, it, I know there was a question uh, previously about uh, you know kind of applications that wouldn't take as much time and, and would be able to move faster. And um, that the CSS program was specifically tried to, to do that with, um, it's called customer self-supply. And basically what it has in it is that you pretty much, uh, there are some applications that don't have a battery uh, component to it, but most, most of them do. And um, basically it, it says, you're not going to export anything to the grid. So you're, you have kind of this net, you know, zero. You can still pull energy from the grid when you need it, so you're grid tied, but you don't export any energy to the grid. So it's not like a net energy metering where if you're not at home and you're producing and, you know, you just, the, it's coming across the meter, it's coming back to the grid. This one is, you put it into the battery, it's stored in the battery, you use it later, and then you offset your own use first. Right. Um, that's CSS. That program is still open and and available. Um, is there it, a cap on that? Is it unlimited? Is there a, is there you know uh, we have actually a, 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 a question from one of our our, <clears throat> our, our salesmen slash clients, uh, Mr. Gary Carmichael submitted a question saying that he had put in his application in mm -hmm. December for CSS, right. but that it had been uh, delayed and he was kind of surprised by that. So do you see the ability to move these things uh, in a certain time frame? And then it, are there limits or caps or are you doing studies that could, could determine whether or not something mm -hmm. can be approved? I mean, where does that fit? You know? Yeah, so so right now we're um, we're 
updating the models for all of our circuits. And a lot of that is because what we used to use as a standard previously to look at applications and make sure that they're going to be safe on the grid and be able to have capacity. Mean, capacity meaning that there's room for your system to come on the grid without compromising the other systems mm -hmm. or or your neighbor. You come or, on the grid or you have your baseload disappear. Yeah, or have you. And <laughs> in the case of Molokai, yeah. that is a really big issue for us. We have sure. a system issue, which is we've got too much energy that is produced in the middle of the day and we can't afford to lose load meaning we can't afford for people to turn everything off and then all of a sudden we're we have we don't have any place to send the energy mm -hmm. so um so right now we're dealing with having to update these models that have over time evolved um we know we used to take transformer um, capability and we would do a percentage of that transformer capability and and then if we met that then Yep, your application goes through. Mm -hmm. Now we're having to actually deploy because we have. Uh, this is this is my my uh, educational perspective, which is trying to let people know about the grid and how it was originally designed. It was designed for one-way power flow. Mm -hmm. You know, we sent out electrons. The, they were consumed in the house, and and then we were, you know, we sent it down the lines to you. Now we have energy being generated all over the place, and we have some, we used to have these, you know, these situations where there would be some losses and the, the energy would kind of decrease at the end of a circuit, at the end of a line. And now we're finding that we actually have more energy at the end of the line than we do maybe at the beginning of the line. Mm. Um, so we're having this two-way power flow. And so what's happening with that is, um, these circuits have to be looked at it from a different perspective, and we're actually deploying monitoring devices on these circuits and on the poles and wires to make sure that we're not going to compromise the reliability and safety of, of those. So even though CSS uh, it still has to go through a technical review, it does bypass a whole bunch of the screens, mm. um, but it's also getting to those and making sure that they're all processed um, in the order that they're So what's in. the basic, thank you for that, that's a very <clears throat> thorough explanation. So what's the basic timeline for a CSS application? Because these are the kinds of things that are really kind of salient in people's minds, right? So is it about a month, is it about two months, or does it, does it vary? Well, so, so this is really important for customers to know, mm. uh, because a lot of times, the customer thinks that we're involved from the very beginning. And so it's important to note that by the, from the time that your contractor you know, talks to you about the system to the time that we may receive the application to the time it's actually reviewed, it could be six months, but our portion of that might only be a month or mm -hmm. might be 45 days. So I think the CSS ones are moving through in around that amount of time. They're, mm -hmm. they're coming through you know, like your your the, your um, the guy who sent you the question, Mr. Carmichael. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would expect that maybe by now he's got some decision on that CSS. Um, so with but with the CGS Plus and some of the other ones that are coming along, they have some of these other functions in them. Mm. Um, like Smart Export is based on the inverter and actually doing some programming in the inverter. Same thing with uh, with some of the other options is you know, having the inverter do some of these automatic um, functions that will see the energy, will, um, you know, be able to correct for some of the energy concerns and then be able to add customers sooner. Right. So I, I, it's not, you know, I can't give you a specific sure. um, timeline answer, but... Well, we're working as fast as we can to Well, thank you for that. And, and then I definitely want to learn about uh, NEM, NEM expansion, because that's a big oh. one, too. Right? And Jay, sorry for kind of <laughs> pushing this along so fast. No, here, that's okay. I'm, I'm looking at the clock. So I want to know about, about NEM, NEM expansion. Because <laughs> Jay's got solar, everybody's got solar, and they, all of a sudden now they have an EV, or they, well, the, their the kids world, are older. The world has changed. Uh, we, yeah. we were looking at EVs. Some families have, too. Um, yeah. It's it's tremendous that's amount of power. Yeah, that's you. But in in the next couple of years we're going to see how many new models like 39 models oh, it's yeah. not this year but by 2020 we're going to yeah. see the third 37 39 new models and these are the vehicles that people actually want to buy oh, yeah. pickup trucks and suvs and stuff yeah. <laughs> it's going to radically shift do you have models for that and how do i expand yeah, my NEM system already <laughs> wow okay um okay well let me speak to, you, to the you, you hit a you hit a whole bunch of topics in one thing because sure. it, you know ev charging is one aspect and and you know the different levels of charging and whether it's kind of a trickle charge or whether it's a level two, you know, 220 charge mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, higher energy, more throughput, um, maybe a bigger effect on your bill. Um, yep. So 
So with NEMPLUS, NEMPLUS um, really was kind of driven by people, original NEM customers. Um, they designed it for their system, and and things have changed. The load, their load profile has changed. Maybe they're getting a bigger bill, um, and maybe they've added an EV. I mean, one of the big drivers, and by EV, I mean electric vehicle. One of the big drivers was, hey, I, I have an electric vehicle, and I'm charging in my house, and it's costing me, a, you know, Hundred bucks more a month, essentially as much yeah. as the house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, well, you, or you may have been receiving a minimal bill until you started adding an EV, and then mm-hmm. you know, and so instead of your twenty dollars, or, or a pool, there's another one. Oh yeah, or a yeah, pool, or a jacuzzi, <laughs> or you know, or or what we've also seen is that we've we've seen that families have moved in together. You sure. know, um, we've seen a lot of multiple family situations where their living environment has changed and the household occupation has increased. So right. their load has increased. So NEM Plus basically says you can have your NEM system. You can't uh, deliver more energy back than your original proved system. But you could add another system, which was basically CSS. So you can, it's the NEM system, think of it as NEM plus CSS. So. Mm-hmm. That system would not be able to export, but you could still use it to offset your own needs at your house and some of the additional things that you might need to um, So this is really where it supply. gets kind of interesting in the technical weeds yeah. a little bit. I don't think we have time to cover this, <clears throat> no. but that's we'll probably jump into that in another show. But the, I think the NEM expansion is very, very, people are very excited about that because those early adopters mm-hmm. are kind of like, hey, I have people call me up and say, I want a battery. I'm like, okay, why do you want a battery? I don't know. I just want a battery. I saw the batteries out there. They look cool. I want some tax credits. I want to put in some those, early adopters. I can put more PV on? Okay, let's do it. It had LEDs on it. It looked really cool. (laughs) Yeah. So we're we're rounding out the show now. We've got about three minutes kind of left. Shall we, I think we can probably skip our future focus, Jay. Uh, Is there anything that you'd like to share uh, from from Maui Electric, from your personal perspective? Is there anything, what what would you like to share with the community in general into perspective or ideas or anything else you want to add to where we're at now? Well, thank you for, one, being patient. I think we know a lot of customers, there's a high demand for rooftop solar installations but we really need to do it right so um, I say right our challenges right keeping reliable service to all customers whether they have PV or not keeping prices affordable whether they have PV or not and giving customers choices so what you've heard about these new programs and um, there are other programs like demand response where customers can get an incentive for being willing to reduce their um, demand for electricity at a time when our system may need it, need mm. them to, right? So there's a benefit to us, a benefit to them. That type of interaction is going to be so important moving forward to get the community and our state to 100% renewable energy. So the message to everyone out there, I mean, give us a call. If you're mm-hmm. concerned, you have an opportunity for us, you'd like us to consider, and it could be the whole gamut of, you know, large scale, we have a request for proposal out. Yeah. Um, it could be microgrid type, type situations or other. I mean, give us a call so we can, you know, work with you. That's great. So there's an open door policy, Absolutely. and please share with your ideas with us. And I think there's probably we have an RFP right now. We probably should talk a little bit about that too. So how about, what's your perspective on this? Sixty guy? seconds. Sixty no. seconds. Okay. So the RFP um, is out there because we need we need additional energy on the grid, and we want to do it in a the the way that benefits the most customers is when it's done on a utility scale or available to everybody when it comes in, and we get that lower cost, and we we get those economies of scale and we can then pass those on right to the customer at every customer not just a customer because you have a roof mm. that's that's one of them um, so so that's very exciting we have a 60 megawatt um, request for proposal RFP out there um, that will be closing at the end of April right so you know we're encouraging um, application you know proposals for that um, and that's we, 60 megawatts of solar, or, I mean, or it's, it's called, RFP, vari- yeah, it's called or, variable, yeah. so it's it's open. Okay. Yeah. The RFP is not specific. It's specifically yeah. it's about renewables, but it also yeah. um, says that they would prefer something with storage. Uh, obviously, you'd like something that doesn't sit in the middle of the Sunday curve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, hey, everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at the Solar Coaster KOI 11:10 a.m. It's been a great show. We really appreciate your input and sharing everything with us. So 
please come on again in the future. Sure thing. <laughs> okay. Thanks for thank having us. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, Sharon, Greg, thank you so much. And uh, this here is Solar Coaster, uh, KOI 1110 AM. We are sponsored by Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Pika Energy, Sonam Battery, and Sun Drum Solar. Hey, Aloha Friday, folks. Have a great uh, Easter holiday. All right. All right. Good weekend.